this is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Welcome, Second Wind. Today, I have a wonderful woman in front of me. Her name is Andy Colleen, and she is part of this bringing awareness to the younger women who are coming up behind us, Second Winders who have more years under our belt, more time spent walking this earth. And it's interesting to speak with these women who are finding their own way earlier in life, the opportunities they are seeing that we maybe did not see, the modalities that are out there, all of the openness that is now upon us that I'm sharing with you, my second wind, but a lot of these younger gals already are seeing it, living it, and doing it. And it blows my mind how insightful they are about life and where it takes them and what you want, what the, what the end game is. Whereas me, it was like, well, after, after these things happen, then I can start paying attention to me. And I think that's flip-flopping. We're going to discuss that a little bit. But Andy herself has a really, really good story. She's a mindset coach. So what she does is help her clients. I mean, their ages 16 through 50s and beyond. And she helps them overcome self-sabotage and helps them figure out how to take action to do and be and feel and align themselves with what they really want in life, which. I mean, I talked to her and I'm like, well, maybe we should talk, Andy, when we're done. But anyway, so Andy, I want to welcome you to the podcast and you're going to share some more insight with us on other topics that's really important as well that I think so many women of all ages struggle with. So I'm so excited to have you here today. So thank you, Andy. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I absolutely love what you just said about almost like doing things for a means to an end. You mentioned something about that as you were introducing everything and like getting rid of that kind of means to an end stereotype is something that I completely agree with. Like, why wait if you don't really have to? Right. It's almost like you have the end game in mind, but it can still evolve. Mm -hmm. But you're not just settling where you are and just waiting for time to pass. Yes. Which is what I found with the women like you that I have brought on, that they're not waiting. for. I'm not going to wait till my kids, you know in high school before I start this project that I really want to do, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to make it work. You're never going to be ready. Like, I think that's something that I learned kind of early on. It's like, you always think that you'll be ready. You always think that there's going to be this magical moment where everything kind of hits and you're like, yep, it's time. I know my purpose. I know what I'm going to do about it. I'm old enough. I'm wise enough. It's all there. But realizing that that just doesn't exist and then making yourself take the like action is kind of the direction that I think everyone wants to be heading. Like, that's how we kind of get to that point. Absolutely. So you, however, do have a defining moment, which at the second win, we call it second win, but it's kind of like, we'll call it the evolution of the second win. Okay. Yes, I like that. So, so share that there was a moment for you that changed your trajectory. Yeah. So that moment was... It was a while ago and it was when I had gotten out of college and I was working at this corporate job that I had worked for for a very long time. My entire kind of like growing up life, I had thought of this company. It was this big international consulting company and I had gotten the job. I moved to Washington, D.C. I was living that like stereotypical corporate career life. I had the Amex. I had the like happy hours. I had the nice business clothes and I was working all hours of the day. And as I was there after a couple of years, I had realized I was pretty unhappy, but I hadn't done anything about it. 
I always just kind of attributed the unhappiness to the fact that like, because in consulting, every project you're on is like almost as if it's a new job. It's different work. It's a different team. It's a different location. So I'd almost like attributed my unhappiness or like this void that I felt inside of me to not being in the right project. And so I would keep hopping projects. At one point, I attributed it to food. And I was like, you know, I am not small enough. And so I would exercise and I would eat really, really healthy and really clean. I would monitor it all. And at times, it also kind of related back to who I was like dating or lack thereof, but like all of that. And it was kind of like I just kept trying to force myself into a bunch of boxes, thinking that if I finally got in that box, like everything would click, everything would be better. But I would achieve that. I would get there. And then I'd still feel like kind of an emptiness inside. Like I might have like a momentary high, but then all of a sudden I'd feel this like dull kind of feeling. And so that moment that you're referring to was kind of when the whole realization happened for me that like no matter how many boxes I fit myself into successfully, nothing's going to fix that feeling. Nothing's going to fix anything that I kind of felt like I was missing. And so that looked like that actual moment looked like me crying in my bedroom in kind of like a horrendous scene. I had clothes all over the floor. I had just gotten back from a trip. It was raining outside. And I was with this guy who I had thought things were going to work out with for a while. And I kind of kept like he was the most recent thing I was like almost clinging to to kind of feel like I like filled this void that I couldn't describe. He was there and we were talking and there was just this realization that came over me as we were talking that like, I'm not okay. Like, this is not going to work. This path I'm on, it's not right for me. Something is off. Like my disordered eating and exercise, that was kind of going haywire. I didn't know what to do about it. I had tried seeing therapists and my like, the therapists were great, but they just weren't good matches for me. It wasn't exactly what I needed at the time. And everything that I like went towards and tried to like force wasn't helping And so it all kind of accumulated in this one moment on a Sunday night of me crying for probably hours, hyperventilating and just really like realizing and letting myself sit in the fact that this is not okay. This path I'm on is not helping me and it's only going to get worse if I don't do something different. It sounds awful. I feel like we've all been there. Yeah. To some extent, like what is going to make me happy? I don't even know. What do I do? How did you get past that? Did you fall asleep in your tears and then... Did you wake up the next morning and go, I got it? Not even close. <laughs> I, it was that easy. I think that's one of the hardest things I've learned because that was probably, what, like four or five years? That was a while ago for me. So how old were you when this moment happened? 21? I think it was like, no, then it must have been sooner. It, would, it was like 23. Like I had been working in the corporate world for like a year or two. It was like I had jumped project to project. I had tried a lot of things. I'd been in D.C. for a while. That was kind of when it all started, where I was just like, I woke up the next day and I got up. It was a Monday. I went to work. My face does this really fun thing where if I cry the day before, it'll like swell over like a cartoon character. Oh, I know what that's like. Yeah. Where your eyes are all swollen and puffy and it looks like you're like swallowed air or something. Yes. Or you just had a real, you just ate everything in sight for two days or something. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I said yes. to one of my friends and she said, don't go to work. Like, don't. <laughs> That's how bad it was. So you went to work anyway. You picked yourself up and you went to work. I went to work. I told everyone I had an allergic reaction and we just moved on with the day. But that was actually not like a very definitive day for me at all. Because kind of like what you were saying, it was very much an evolution. It was like, small nudges, small steps of me kind of at first just starting to figure out like who I was as like silly as it sounds because I don't even think I realized I was doing it at the time. But I focused a lot on the eating and exercise because that was so prevalent for me. It's like I would wake up and probably work out for a couple hours. I'd run like 10 to 15 miles every morning. It was really obsessive and I knew that was not normal. And so at one point, I think we all want someone to just like tell us something that's going to fix the problem. But I realized at that point that the first step was just don't run 10 miles. Like no matter how uncomfortable that was for me, just don't do it. And so with that time I then had in the morning, 
I started to actually read about personality tests. I got really into at first the Enneagram and then I looked into a bunch of other ones. But that was actually the first kind of steps I took into learning why I did what I did. And I thought the personality tests were such an influential thing for me, not because of what they said, but because they gave me a lens to reflect on myself, to like almost look at what was going on inside me without the judgment, like as kind of an observer. And over time, what I've learned is that act, that process of doing that time and time again from different lenses, different tests, different things, and just getting more curious about who I was without being like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. That process actually allowed me to learn to like love and trust myself. But it wasn't a one day thing. It was very much over the course of months. And then I started doing the next step, which I think was really big for me, was just letting myself listen to what I just genuinely wanted. So the eating and exercise is slowly kind of getting better at the time, but it was definitely, it's like a roller coaster of ups and downs. But through kind of getting to know myself, getting to like listen to my body, listen to myself, like everything, the desires, all of it, I started to get more clear on what next steps I wanted to take or like what nudges. So like at first this looked like I want to play guitar. I don't know how to play guitar. I'm not musical. Everyone's always said that I am such a math science person. Why the heck should I do this? But I just started doing it. And I like made myself kind of learn to play guitar. And that was a big moment for me. And the next nudge was just starting to let myself like learn information that didn't make any sense. Like kind of daydream, watch YouTube videos. Eventually that led to bigger moves like me moving across the country to Denver where I didn't know a soul and had never been there before. It just felt right and I couldn't describe it. And then eventually, like bigger and bigger, I quit my job. I met my now fiance and I started the business. Okay. There's a lot there, Andy. I do have a note. And we have skipped over a few things, but I definitely want to ask you about. Yes. It's all, you're saying it's so cool. It's so cool to be on this side of it. Having interviewed all the people, you know, 100 plus women now and some men. And now some of you younger women, and it's like everybody's, everybody has that in common where they're, once they have this thing that happens, almost like they get the, huh, I could have had a V8, you know, kind of thing, or, or a knock them down, drag them out, or a really bad accident or something, something happens, right? It's almost, I feel like the universe is just kind of going, pay attention. And then the nudges. And then the awareness of looking back and saying, oh, yeah, this happened. This Okay, I want to go here. And and following it, it's so interesting to see that for everybody who's going there and finding themselves. What I want to find out, though, is the food, the exercise, the work, the boxes you're putting yourself into. I would venture to say, having had battles with food myself younger, when I was younger and say, well, I'll just eat and then I'll just run like you miles and miles and miles, or I'll just drink a bunch of beer so I can throw up, you know, stuff like that, you know, just crazy stuff. I would guess that a lot of women, no matter the age, are all having some kind of wonky relationship with food, whether it's with a specific type of food or a whole bunch of foods or the exercise piece of the food and the calorie thing. And it seems to be just a very unhealthy relationship with food in general. There's a 10-year-old I know who's like, I need to go on a diet. Like, what are you saying? Stop. You know, and a 10 and an 8-year-old both said it. And then I have, you know, a 60-year-old. Oh, wait a minute. No, my biological mother who is, I don't know, set up there. And she's, she will say, make little comments about her weight. And she looks fabulous. So there's no reason for it. So it's, it spans, right? And it doesn't seem like however evolved we are as a unit, as women, that we can deal with this very well. What did you do? And, and how did it get a grip on you? Was it a matter of controlling that because you weren't happy to begin with? Do you know what I mean? Like what comes first, the unhappiness and then the food or the food and then the unhappiness? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's hard to even answer that because it started for me really young. Like I actually talked about this recently when I can really think back, I probably thought, and I think it hit me later than a lot of girls, 
But I remember probably beginning of high school really feeling uncomfortable in my body and like that idea of starting to need to lose weight was there. Like that was probably where it started for me. I had done a lot of exercise or like I was in a lot of athletic activities up till then. Mm-hmm. And then it transferred when you go to high school, your studies become more important. There's like other stresses. All of a sudden, there's more important things, I guess. And there was a moment in high school where I blatantly remember looking at myself in the mirror and just breaking down crying. I was about to go to like a football game or something with my friend. I like sat there and the crying wasn't even because of how I looked. It was because of how much I hated myself. Like I hated the things that I have done to get to this point, the decisions I made, like what the heck was I thinking? And it sounds very strong when I say it, but it is exactly how I was feeling. And I think that's something that I think is very important to me is being able to almost normalize that feeling of self-hatred because it is almost what needs to happen to move forward from it. Mm -hmm. And for me, I didn't know at that time in high school, I had never heard of intuitive eating. I'd never heard of like any of these other forms of like, you know, helping you with eating. I just thought I needed to lose weight. I thought I was not good enough until I left the weight. And that would solve things, right? You lose the weight and it will solve the problem with the girl that's mean to you over there. The guy that you think you like will now notice you, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've lost the weight. That's the answer. And when you get older, it's like, well, if I could just move into that neighborhood in that house, yeah, my life would be better. Oh, if I could just drive this kind of car. Yeah. Or wear these kinds of clothes. Yeah. It's the same idea. Interesting. Keep going. Yeah. So (laughs) at that point, it's the exact same premise. And it was the same with my career. Like the pattern was never different. It was just different things I'd look towards. And because I'd be confused that they didn't work out, I would go to something else or I would go more extreme in what I was doing. So at first with my weight, I'd say that I had like probably I would be like the the yo-yo dieter almost like I'd start every Monday. I never actually lost weight. If anything, I gained probably like 20 pounds from that time, 15, 20, whatever you want to call it when I went to college. But at one point there was a turn and it again wasn't a distinct moment. This is the only thing I haven't figured out yet. So I got to lose the weight now. And when that happened, it was at first healthy because I wasn't kind of at that healthy weight. At that point, I was like more just not in shape. I wasn't treating my body well. And eventually the healthy behaviors that I had started got addictive because I was just unhappy with my life. So it was almost like fueling the fire where it was like, I know I need to do this. It's to make myself feel better. It's for my health. And then it worked. I was at a very healthy weight. I looked great. Like now I look back at that and I'm like, oh, it's hard to even imagine what was going through my head. But everything else wasn't falling into place. I had stresses left and right. I was being triggered by everything else around me that kind of fueled the fire of, well, if I could just lose five more pounds, if I could just five more miles. Because you're not reaching the level you thought you would reach. I didn't feel the way I wanted to feel. Because at the end of the day, everything we do, we don't do because we want that thing. We don't want the result. We want the feeling we think the result will bring us. And so when I was doing that, it wasn't because I actually wanted to be thinner. I wanted the feeling I thought being thinner would bring me. But that's kind of like the like crux of life. <laughs> like anything external cannot sustainably control how we feel because feelings are internally generated and created. That's something we can control right now. We just don't know how to do that. And that's part of what I do now. But that was a huge kind of evolution for me. And it didn't happen there. It happened at like over seven years of first kind of like really controlling my eating and exercise, it getting worse and worse, eventually trying to get myself out of it. And because it's just kind of the nature of like the pendulum, like mm-hmm. I was so far on like this side of the pendulum because I was like not able to get myself to eat normal amounts of food. I was exercising all the time. So as I was trying to swing back and get to the middle, you have too much momentum. I've been like, I've been over here for too long. So I started and I did, and I really struggled with this, end up more on the binge cycle of eating obsessive amounts of food, not being able to stop myself, but knowing that as scary as that was, that was really important. And I'd be lying if I told you I didn't try to swing back here just because I was like, that's the better place to be. But over time, I was able to kind of calm my nerves, calm like the internal kind of storm going on, Mm -hmm. get Mm -hmm. myself this like balanced, neutral point that, you know, we're all kind of like going to waver on, but 
it's not like I'm going out to the extremes anymore. Andy, you said that so well. And I guarantee you, all the people that are listening, all these women that are listening to this and some men are going to be able to relate with what you just said. Oh, it's, I just love what you just said. Okay. And the pendulum thing. Yeah. Because it's one or the other, it's all or nothing. And then when you have nothing for so long, you're like, but I want it. So you go for the all. And then you're like, oh, why did I do that? I just ruined everything I did over here. But, but there is a but. But then when you said, I'm done, I'm done with this. I have to solve this. I've solved everything else. And then I was very curious because we didn't talk about this, but you, you decided to take away the obsessive exercise. God, I look back at that when I was doing stuff like that. Now I'm like, what the heck? How did I do that? Like, no. How did I do? Ah, stop, stop, younger Wendy. What are you thinking? Like, you just want to knock yourself over the head and say, knock it off. But I digress. You suddenly started using that time and you were reading about, like, why did you pick up the ideograms and why did you do that? Why did you pick those things to start reading and checking in on? That is so funny. And it's, I very much believe that you're given exactly what you need at the right time. And if you don't, I was about to say, it's not funny. It's not funny. I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny. Yeah. It feels very much to me like, you know, and even if you don't notice it at the time, like someone might've told me about personality tests or the Enneagram or something or other earlier in my life. And it wasn't important. It didn't hit me right then. Right. You weren't ready to hear it. I was not going to make a difference. And right. that summer, so that event, that night of crying mm-hmm. on Sunday, that happened in the fall. And that past summer, I had gone back to see my college friends. We had gone to the beach and one of my friends had gotten really into the Enneagram. She thought it was so cool. She was just like geeking out on personality tests. She thought it was awesome. And so she had brought this book. I didn't have a book and I just read it just for the heck of it. I like had myself kind of like diagnosed my Enneagram number and stuff. And I was like, this is kind of fun. Yeah. Went away. She had this PDF, though, that she told me about. She's like, you should just read it. Like, it's so cool. She wanted someone to basically, like, geek out on it with her. Yeah, Someone who understood it. Join me in my obsession of this. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of like how it happens with horoscopes or whatever else. Like, whatever it is that kind of, like, you just don't, it doesn't make sense. But you feel like you just want more and more. You want more learning, more of this. And for me, that was what that was. I was like, I'm curious about that. So, she sent me this 400-page PDF on all the different... There's nine Enneagram numbers, if you're familiar with them. And mine, the thing that got me so much is that I didn't even realize what it called out that day on the beach that I was reading. Like, there was nine pages and each had, like, bullet points of the things that kind of distinguish the different numbers. And so my number, like, called out things that I didn't even realize I was doing. Like, it was talking about how I'm a seven. Oh, I was going to guess that. Okay. Like things and adventures and like all these things as almost like distractions as kind of like a way to kind of avoid what's going on inside. And it didn't say that on the page, obviously, but when it was talking about kind of like all of the things I do and like how I'm always doing more, more, more. And I'm like so infatuated with all the things I'm talking to all the people always busy. That really hit me because I just thought that was a great thing. Like I thought like, wow, it's amazing that I don't need to sleep. It's amazing that I can run on coffee and like a piece of toast for the whole day, that I can run 10 miles and then go party the rest of the day. That was all something I thought was good. And so the Enneagram kind of, that was my first kind of like feel called out, feel like someone said something (laughs) in it. And so that was just, I just followed the nudge. I had a PDF in my inbox. I hadn't touched it in two months. And so I was sitting there after that day and I'm like, I kind of want to read it. I'm just curious. And that led me to other things, but like that kind of trusting the nudge that came, trusting the thing that I just felt pulled and pulled to do for no reason was really helpful for me. Would you say that started you on your path to what you're doing now? I would say it's a huge part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Huge part. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Okay. So you start reading all this stuff and you're figuring it out. What happens? How do, how do you progress from that? Yeah. Because, you know, anybody could just read whatever is interesting that interesting to them at that moment and move on to something else. How did you evolve from there? So for me, 
a huge part of evolving. And I think this kind of go- I think I said this a little bit earlier too, which is it's never for me ever have been like it's never been like really a moment of like, oh, this is all fixed. Like, oh, like this is exactly what I did. It was like a very big blurry mess of over the course of a year of me like reading the Enneagram and actually starting to just like apply things. And when I say apply, for me, applying looks like, huh, you do a lot of things. The Enneagram is saying like this PDF, this magical PDF (laughs) is saying like, you know, you're doing this because of X, Y, and Z. Does that hit? What do you think X, Y, and Z are for you? Like, where is that coming from? And eventually I came across this concept of self-worth and I had basically self-diagnosed myself. I had never heard of this. I'm like, I am not someone with a big like psych background or any of it. I'm engineering through and through in the beginning. I did not know what anything was talking about. And so self-worth was frustrating to me. So I'm like, I think I need self-worth, but how the heck do I get self-worth? Like, where's the manual? Where's the guide? Where's the one, two, three step process? And I will say that was a part of, that was kind of like a part two of it. Realizing like, oh, I don't have self-worth. I don't feel valuable. Well, what do I need? What do I need to achieve? What do I need to do? And I was still kind of in that process of thinking of like, okay, wh- what steps? And you didn't have them. And so it was a little bit of trial and error. It was a little bit of like reflection. It was a little bit of just kind of matching things to myself. And over time, what that did, when I took the judgment lens off of it and I was just observing and trial and erroring it, it kind of allowed me to get to a point of acceptance and then really starting to understand myself. So I'd say like, I accepted it. I understood it. I started getting more comfortable with it. And that over time ended up showing me that I really loved myself and that like going and kind of following those nudges, but not even knowing I was doing it. I started to realize, hey, I'm still okay. Like I'm just doing things that generally like light me up. They make me happy and I'm okay. And that kind of added onto that self-trust. And together, I'd say that that started to create that feeling of self-worth, along with the understanding that self-worth isn't something you can really build. It's more of a decision. And the real question is, what do you need to do to get yourself to the point where you feel comfortable deciding that, where you're ready to decide that? And Mm. so it was a very interesting evolution. Question. Yes. Question. I'm fixated on the thing you said where you removed judgment. Yeah. Okay. That's huge. How did you do that? I think that is one of those things where it was, again, a decision. It was just... It was a decision. So you knew you were judging yourself. You knew you had to get rid of that lens that yeah. you're not good enough. You are you don't look good enough. You aren't doing enough. You aren't following whatever you think you're supposed to be following. And then you you turn it off on purpose. And I will say... The decision to turn off judgment yeah. does mean I never judged myself again. It just meant okay. when I caught myself judging myself, I intentionally acknowledged that thought and just switched it. No oh, matter how painful yeah. or difficult it is, because we're not robots. Like, I still judge myself. I'm not perfect in any way, shape, or form, and I never should be. If I'm growing, that should never be the case. But I think that's the other thing. I definitely don't want it to sound like, oh, I made a decision. It was all good. Like, it's just not like that. And I think sometimes people beat themselves up because they still get these judgmental thoughts, this negative self-talk. And they're like, well, I messed up. I'll start again Monday. It's not working. It's not working. Yeah. And that's just not, just not how it is. It's an evolution. It's like the continuous kind of ability to bring yourself back on track. Keep correcting. Just keep doing it. It doesn't feel like it makes a difference in the moment. But when you do that over and over again, over the course of even a week, it does make a big difference. It really does. Yeah, it's like that scripting with Stan that I did a few weeks ago or a month ago now, where when you write things as if they've happened and you're grateful for them, it changes how you think about things. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. For you to have that insight and you're 25 now? I'm 25 now. What the heck? Like, I'm just getting it and I'm 56. And it's from... Oh, trial and error and a lot of reading and a lot of audible books and a lot of interviews like yeah. it's been a long journey for me and you have it now and that's what's so awesome about what's happening what I see 
evolving and there are people out there. Shaman Durek's one of them. It's the rising of the woman right now in this fifth dimension we're seeing coming up. And women have this power. Women have this intuition and energy, which brings me to a good point. One of the many reasons for this podcast is to collect, connect, and share information that will add to your life. It is my honor and pleasure to share products with you that I buy, use, and believe in that are high quality, sustainable, responsible to our earth, and that actually work. One product I have been using for almost a year now, every day, and now twice a day with the diagnosis of my Lyme disease is collagen. Collagen is a buzzword right now because collagen is a protein that makes up 30% of our bodies. And like everything else, as we age, we lose it. Fine lines, brittle nails, dull hair, achy joints, dry skin are all part of why collagen is so essential. So let me share why Elaine Collagen, the brand I use, is in my opinion more effective than what's out there on those shelves. It is easy to use, tasteless, and dissolves into any beverage. It's non-GMO, and it's from cows raised in Spain, and no chemicals are used for its extraction. Bingo, speak in my language. You can experience the benefits for yourself and receive 15% off by using the code SECONDWIND, all one word, at checkout at elainewellness.com. And if you want to know more about Elaine and her Second Wind story, listen to her episode. The title is Plot Twist. There's no such thing as anti-aging from March 15, 2021. Now, back to the episode. Intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. That's what you do now? Yeah. Yeah, because somewhere along the line, you had to change your relationship with food and how it plays into, I don't know about you, but it played into every freaking waking moment of my life. Like if yeah. I have this now, I can't have that later. We might be going out, so I better not eat this now. You know, this yeah. whole psyche thing. So how did you switch that? Was that along with getting rid of the judgment and it was a little nudges? It was for me, definitely, it all kind of melds together. That year was very transformational. And I say year just because that was where, like, I really just started to dedicate myself to it. It's, I still do. Like, I'm definitely still, like, I still have thoughts. Like, oh, oh yeah. Like, you just ate a whole piece of cake. It's a Tuesday. What are you doing? And that definitely still happens. But intuitive eating, I actually backtracked. I heard I was reading a book recently, and I think this really wonderfully applies and puts it very well. I wish I actually okay. had the quote in front of me, but it talked about how a lot of times our relationship with food is more of a mirror for our relationship with ourselves. And when we feel trapped by our relationship with food, it's not actually food that is the problem, which is always kind of that like common saying. But the problem is more that we don't feel fulfilled in other aspects of our life. And food is kind of being used to create that sense of freedom for us that we haven't dedicated to finding in our relationships, in our career, in our environment, in any other area of our life. And I thought that was very, very powerful. Yeah, it's true, yeah. too. Yeah, oh, it's powerful. It is accurate. It's very accurate. Yeah. And so when it comes to intuitive eating, that being said. I've never heard that term before. And I actually am a, one of those certified people that can coach people integrative health coach or whatever I say I am. What is intuitive eating? So intuitive eating is really cool because what it is, is basically teaching you how to listen to just what your body needs. Because think about it. At one point in our like caveman era days, we didn't have calories. They just didn't exist. So, you know, it's not like anyone was sitting around there tracking their thing and people are going to say whatever about like, oh yeah, they had to hunt all of that. But Basically, the premise that I'm trying to get back to is the fact that your body knows what it means. Your body is designed to keep you safe and to keep you thriving. It's really good at it. That's also why we self-sabotage to a separate thing. But the safety aspect of our body is like when it needs food, it knows what type of food it needs. It knows what nutrients it needs. And it's going to basically make those signals to you. We're not trained to ever pay attention to the signals. We don't grow up taught to listen to what our body needs, like physically, mentally, emotionally. It's just not taught to us. So by the time we're adults and we have this super screwed up relationship with food, it's usually because 
we've listened to more of the logical side of things, kind of like the media, the consumerism, whatever our like so-and-so relative says about food and their relationship. And even if we wanted to listen to our body, we don't know how. We don't know the first thing. And intuitive eating goes back to the fact that we actually don't need to track anything. We would actually probably be naturally just very healthy and feel amazing if we just learned to listen to our body, even if that means eating noodles sometimes or processed foods. Like those aren't bad things. But when we put that kind of bad, good label on it, it starts to go into our psyche. It starts to go back to the logic side. It starts to go back to boxes. And so intuitive eating is about removing all of these kind of identifications we've given food, these labels we've given food, removing like the calories, removing the good or the bad, removing the like macros and just eating and trusting our signals. That being said, it sounds really scary, especially because I, I mentioned earlier the pendulum of like me swinging really far one way. Right. Back. That's kind of part of it. Like when you go through this journey, I would call it, it's not just like, oh, you're magically like a healthy eater. But if you kind of trust throughout and you like slowly integrate foods that you're afraid to eat or you slowly integrate like breakfast, if you won't let yourself eat breakfast and like you slowly bring those things back in, it starts bringing you back to neutral where your body just craves what it needs and it, everything kind of starts to regulate and you being able to listen to it a lot of that work is not even done through food. It's done through getting to know yourself better, which is exactly what I didn't even realize I was doing when I was using those personality tests. So it really is wow. a full circle thing. And thankfully, I know that there are people talking about intuitive eating now. It just wasn't something I learned growing up. I didn't hear the term till I was like probably in that point. So Or me till now. Yeah. So, Isn't that, that wild? Like, it's it a wild. simple concept. Listen to your it's body. Exciting. It's exciting to all these cool things that I'm going to have to find somebody that teaches that now. But you bring up a good point. It's a mind-body connection through and through. We have three brains, the gut, the heart, the mind, and they all have to work together and they all have to talk to each other and communicate. So moving forward to the mindset thing that you do. So you're getting the body all figured out. You're getting the mind thing figured out. And now you want to coach? Yeah, I actually quit my job. I've told you this story where I like woke up one morning. I was actually in a good place with my job at this point because I had gotten so used to working on myself and like identifying the things that triggered me and figuring out why they triggered me. And like, I just genuinely wasn't as triggered, for lack of a better word, I mm -hmm all the things going on around me at work. And so I was at a good place. I didn't love it. It didn't light me up, but I did well at it. I was with good people. I liked the work. And I woke up one day, like no premonition before this that I would quit in the next five years. And I just like kind of knew. I kind of like had this like feeling in my gut where it's like, I need to leave. And it was over the holidays. So I wasn't actually going into work at all at this time. And so the Monday after the holidays, I put in my two-week notice and I just left without really a plan. And thankfully, thankfully, before anyone goes and does this. Yeah, I, don't go without a plan all the time. No. We, we talked about that. But I had very grateful to have a lot of savings. So I was never really a big spender in D.C. And to be very honest, the company paid for a lot of what we needed because we were working a lot for them. So I had put a lot of money away, I put at least enough money away to live off of for like a year. So you had a backup plan. Let's just put that out there. You're not living pay paycheck to paycheck and said, this isn't working. No. And quit. Okay, good. That's good to say. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. And I know people do that. That's just not my level of comfort. That's just not where I'm at. I so. think that sets you up to make decisions that aren't 100%. You can't really listen to the nudges if you're panicked. No, that and that goes back to what I do now, which is a lot where we find safety. And if you're panicked, you're not going to, you can't listen to the nudges. The nudges aren't real. You're making those up. And so it, it was very interesting. But yeah, I was at a very calm point in my life. I put my two weeks notice in. I was already living in Denver. And I just kind of like let it go. I had heard of coaching and I had done a lot of work in business. So I kind of in the back of my mind was like, oh, maybe I'll do some like marketing, like on the side, some like that kind of stuff, freelance, just like 
see what comes of it. In the hopes of what? In the hopes of what, Andy? Just being able to sustain myself and like. Right. Because you had just decided to just, I'm going to go to Denver now. Yeah, this was probably like five months after that. So I'd been living in Denver for a little bit. Now I had gotten comfortable there. Why did you go to Denver? Do you even know why? It just felt right. I knew I needed a change. I knew I needed a change of scenery. I felt my environment getting like almost holding me back, but I couldn't really put words on it. That being Chicago, right? DC at the time. So I was in DC at the time, right? Your family's from Chicago. Sorry. So you're in DC. You started to feel stifled a little bit there. Feel stifled, yeah. And then I just did it. We packed up the car. A roommate went out with me. We did like a big road trip. We hit all the states, the parks, the things. Worked from the road because I was still in the job at that time. Get to Denver. End up signing a lease. She actually ended up staying with me, which was really great. And so we like met some people. We were hanging that Christmas time, that winter break, like holiday time. That was when I just was like, I think I need to quit. I knew my like rent. I knew all the expenses I had. So it was a pretty safe like thing as crazy as it sounds. And I just went back to Denver and I just like like finished the last couple of weeks I had at work. And then eventually I did a lot of fun things over that year. Like I would say I traveled so much. And we did a lot of road trips. We did kind of mostly road trips because it was in the middle of COVID. It was when. Okay. Yeah. I was, I said we have to bring COVID into this because that's one of the reasons the remote stuff was. Exactly. You were able to try new things because of the remote stuff. Exactly. Okay. So that's a piece of the puzzle. It's a big piece. Yeah. Cause right. it like, it would not have happened that seamlessly, I'd say. Right. Right. But I was already remote. So we just, we traveled a lot. We enjoyed it. At one point, met my, my now fiance. That's a totally different story. But at that time, I was really just doing things that made me happy. And part of that was that I just kind of like had this like call to like, I'd love to be able to sustain myself. Like, I'd love to be my own boss. I'm pretty good. Like, I think I'd listen to myself. And so that I kind of. I think I'd listen to myself if I was talking good. Oh, but I love the advice I just gave. I should give that to myself. Yes, yes, yeah. I hear you. Okay. I looked into business coaching, or like not business coaching. I looked into doing some work, business work, because that was what I was skilled in. And very fast, I came to realize very quickly that the coaching industry existed in a larger form, and I was being coached at this point. I had met someone who was kind of coaching on how to start a business, but the thing that really changed things for me was that coach also was very much into mindset work and she used to just coach mindset before that and so as I was working with her I didn't really start my business at this point but I did start to learn what it meant to change your mindset what actually happened why it was valuable because the business stuff was nothing I didn't know which was kind of crazy I probably could have figured it out but it would have just taken me longer Mm -hmm. But the mindset stuff was new to me. And so I ended up getting certified kind of like basically bolstering my education on what it was. I like went and learned about like neurolinguistic programming and hypnotherapy and like the subconscious and like trauma responses, all of that. That was like, I just dove in. I invested the money to learn what I needed to learn to be able to help people and myself with that. And eventually as I was doing that, I started coaching people for free because I was like, maybe, you know, this is interesting. Maybe I could actually make a business out of this. Let's put some proof into the concept. Yeah. And so I just kind of have a really quick question. I have a really quick question. Why did you have a coach for yourself when you were just out there having fun? How did that, you met this person and you're like, oh, maybe I should work with you. Was there a nudge? Was that another nudge? It was just another nudge. Yeah. It was like, I found this thing on Instagram. I'm like, yeah, we'll start a business. Like something spoke to you, right? Yeah. And it was a lot of money. I will say I was freaked to drop a couple grand on something. I've never spent a couple grand on myself in my life, except for that was a big decision. Yeah, it was huge. Why did you make that decision? It just felt right. I have very slowly started to learn what it feels like to listen to my gut, what it actually means, not the fear, because it's usually like there's always like a decision, like kind of a more like going back to that word, that aligned decision, that decision that is kind of in connection with who you want to be, not who you are, who you want to be. And mm-hmm. 
I had gotten to the point of kind of realizing that gut decision, that gut feeling I'd get every now and uh, now and then the same one that I woke up with. And I was like, I don't think I need to quit my job. That feeling would come back to me. And because I was able to pay such acute attention to how I felt, because I had put the time into being a little bit more intuitive about my body and what it needed, what it was craving, all of that, those things became easier for me. And that was part of it where it's like, that's not even like a standout moment in my life anymore, even though it had such a huge trajectory of it, because I was making so many of those little decisions, but little in quotes, <laughs> little decisions that just were like, oh, yeah, this feels right. And like that year really was a bunch of that. And so as I'm working with people free, as I'm like doing it, I start to realize not in one moment, but over time that it's working. Like I am helping people who have had years of therapy make these changes. I'm helping like younger people because this is all for free. I'm finding people on Facebook groups. I'm like, hey, you want to work with me and give me a testimonial if it like ends well? And then that was exactly how I did it. It really solidified that like, yeah, you're good at this. Like people are like coming back and saying things that you never dreamed of them saying. Maybe Mm -hmm. you should bet on yourself. And I did. I like invested in a kind of another coach, like a more business oriented coach who helped me kind of build out my concepts. Eventually I got on TikTok. I got on podcasts all like right. That's where I'm here now. But yeah, it was really a really cool evolution. And so now I teach more of that mindset stuff, which that's such a like cloudy concept, right? Like who knows what that actually means? Yeah. I do self-sabotage. I work on self-sabotaging behavior. So like procrastination, people-pleasing, indecision, perfectionism, all of these words that we toss around like they're candy. These are just different signs from our body that we're avoiding something. Because at the end of the day, if you don't make a decision, you can't take action and move forward. If you are procrastinating, that's like the nature of procrastination. Insert whatever one there. You can't fail if you don't. Exactly. If you don't do it. And it goes, what's crazy. You keep saying, well, when I do that, that will work for me and it'll be great. And if you, for whatever reason, you don't do it, you can still say, well, that will be great when that happens. Yeah. Right? Instead of doing it and having it not work and having to reevaluate. And who wants to do that? Yeah, exactly. And a lot of those behaviors, it's failure, but it's also, it's fears that kind of are lying below the surface, but it's a fear of failure. But for some people, it's the fear of success or rejection or judgment, complexity, conflict. Like it goes like into different realms of their life, different corners. And we always just try to force ourselves to stop the behavior. Kind of like we try to control our eating, right? We try to control the thing that we understand because like, like, yeah, how do we make sense? Like how, where's the one, two, three stuff guide to fixing your eating? Like, if you can't control the actual eating itself, how do you build self-worth? You can't touch it. And our brain doesn't like that. It's freaky to it. But at the end of the day, all of this avoidance that we do, these self-sabotaging behaviors, they're only happening because remember, our body's only doing everything it does to keep us safe. Right. It's only happening because at one point, your body learns something about what you're trying to work towards isn't safe. And that mm. learned behavior that usually happens in childhood, that learned behavior just was never able to be consciously, logically changed because at that time where it started to develop that thing you learned, we didn't have the correct parenting. And that's nothing to say about your parent, but like things happen. Like a kid yells at you on the playground. No one's there to fix that. No one's there to tell you, hey, it's okay. And we're not smart enough to realize that doesn't mean anything about ourselves. So all those little moments that happen, they kind of affect you in different ways. They affect how we process information. They affect the different fears that really trigger us. And so whatever that goal is you're working towards that you can't get yourself to take action on because you keep having to start Monday, it's probably not the fact that it's not meant to be. It's the fact that at one point in your life, something happened. It might not logically connect to you now, but something happened that is now triggering your system that you're entering into a fear zone. You're entering into a danger zone. It's going up against a wall. Yes. And that's where that concept of like alignment is like a very good way to describe this because it's like it doesn't mean the goal is wrong and it doesn't mean you're wrong it just means that your system your nervous system your mind your body whatever wherever the problem is lying for you your system is regulated in this direction right now it's regulated to do exactly what you've been doing that's why you are where you're at 
but you want to change course. You're an adult. Now you have different goals and desires. That just means that we have to consciously change that course. It doesn't mean the goal isn't meant to be. It just means that your body's not regulated for that yet. And that's what I do now is kind of help people learn how to actually do that regulation. But a lot of that is figuring out where that problem lies in the first place, which includes understanding yourself. So Andy, would you say you circumvent that or do you push past it or do you like, what do you do with that? So, so give me an example. Do you have an example? I can use one of my own. Okay. But then I want to, then I want to, I want a client. Oh, we can show me the Yeah. I love that stuff. Okay. Keep going. Okay. So let's just take like a classic case of procrastination. Let's do that. Yes. Yeah. Procrastination, like I'll use myself and we can use a client or should I just go towards the client? What do you want? Whatever's juicier and we'll get the point across for okay. like, yeah, you know what I mean? Okay. I think this is a cool example of one of my clients because it was definitely something that you would never have known because a lot of my clients sit in that bucket of they know that they can do things and they've mm-hmm. actually taught themselves to do a lot of things. But then for whatever reason, they can't do certain things and they're so aware of it and they under, they sometimes even know why it's happening, but they're still not doing it. They're still procrastinating. They're still doing whatever. So this one particular client, this is something we've worked through recently, is that in his relationship kind of spectrum of life, um, it wasn't going how he wanted it to, basically. Like it just wasn't kind of all. His relationship with another person? Yeah, like work. finding a relationship with another person. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that's kind of a back detail. Like at this point, we're not even understanding that that's important. He's just coming to me because he's procrastinating on these like random things in life. He's like scrolling on TikTok. He like doesn't know what to do next. And he's successful. He's like objectively successful, but he's having this kind of like void feeling inside of him. Okay. So those are kind of like the warning signs. That's why we're there. We work together for a while and we like realize there's a pattern that he's always being triggered by kind of like specific people where those overthinking and negative thought spirals are like almost like keeping him up at night. Insomnia is a really common symptom of like something kind of deeper going on, especially. I didn't know that. I didn't know that insomnia was sick. Yeah, I didn't know that. Interesting because I suffered with insomnia when I was younger and to the point where prescribed medication did not help me sleep. And I don't understand. I never understood why it went on for years. Now I know why that was happening and it relates to everything. It was the fact that there was something so missing inside. It wasn't actually letting me release. I didn't feel safe in my body or where I was at. That was a huge part of it. Really, oh my gosh. really wild how our body does that. Yeah. So for him, we worked together realizing that these triggers were happening with certain TikTok videos, certain life events like one call in particular really got him yeah weird things did not connect we didn't realize they connected yet as we worked together and kind of got more into what was going on underneath the surface we realized that part of something that happened to him in childhood and it was twofold he went through a little bit of like trauma where he learned that it wasn't safe to express his emotions he didn't realize what happened at the time he actually didn't even think about it until we were talking But he actually then kind of came to this conclusion that he physically wasn't feeling anything. Like he could not feel like anytime he felt sadness or frustration or anger, he didn't have, couldn't describe a physical sensation. Nothing came up for him, which is pretty, like a pretty blatant warning sign for me. That's a different, like a weird one, kind of, you know, most of us feel emotions. And so as we poked like more into it, we realized that it had something to do more on the more on like the safety side that when he learned at a younger age that it wasn't safe for him to show his emotions his system regulated so that he didn't experience his emotions oh wow the problem with this lies is that there's other things that go on behind the scenes so part of him was that emotionally he couldn't experience his emotions and your emotions are like the greatest signs you have towards what is going on what you need to do next all of that Emotions are really beautiful things, even the negative ones. And him not having that, we kind of dug a little bit deeper and realized that a lot of what was going on with the triggers he was experiencing now related back to a specific instance in his past where he learned that his self-worth was very dictated by other people, basically. And so as we kind of identified that, we realized kind of like the parenting that he was missing. We like took him through all of that and we kind of set him on course for his particular situation to heal that because for him part of it was healing his emotions kind of being able to bring that back into his body 
part of that is healing the self-worth side of things on like more of a mind level. Mm-hmm. And then that's all kind of in combination, allowing you to like re-regulate your nervous system. At the end of that, what ends up happening is these like <laughs> unconnected events of being triggered by a TikTok video or procrastinating on something that has nothing else to do with it ends up healing as a byproduct because the root of the problem creates these weird things on the outside, these weird behaviors. And you don't understand how they're connected until you can work backwards from the procrastination, the perfectionism, the trigger, the thinking, the whatever, and figure out what's kind of lying below the surface. And so that was the work we did together, which I thought was really, it was a really cool kind of like connection for him. Because again, he thought he knew everything. He'd read every book. He'd Googled it all. He was really like, he was almost too aware for his own good. And being do this work was really, really empowering because for the first time ever, not only did he see changes, but he saw a lot of changes and he now has the process to apply for himself in the future, which at the end of the day, our sabotage is never going to stop. We're always going to, like, as long as we're growing, we're always going to need to be constantly re-regulating. So the only thing, and I think the most empowering thing anyone can ever have is that understanding of the process that they need to work through that sabotage to re-regulate when something new comes up, because that's when you know you're actually good. That's when you actually know you're secure. That's kind of the goal we all want. So it was really cool. So what is he doing now? He's still, he's just living his life. Oh, that's good. So yeah, not procrastinating. he's not procrastinating now. He's moved on with these things. Because without emotions, yeah, you they're so important. It's kind of like your compass, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And I wouldn't say that everyone even struggles with emotions. Like that was one case. Every, right, right, right. So but for him, yeah, he didn't have a compass. He didn't have that compass and he didn't even know he was missing it. In some ways, sometimes, like, and I, I feel like I can resonate with this, being able to shut your emotions off seems like a victory because they're like, yeah, I don't have to be anxious today. Like, you can feel like you can yeah. control it. But when you learn how to kind of use them as signs, that was, that's what allows us to kind of take that path of least resistance in everything in our life. And all of that, in my mind and in my work is figuring out where is safety being threatened? Where was that learned? When that was learned, where did that start to manifest in you, in your mind or your body? And now based on that, what do you need to do to heal that so that it's not affecting you anymore? And that healing part can sometimes be an evolution. Like with him, I would say that he will probably continue on this process because it was very deep rooted but he has the steps now. And I think that's the empowering part is oh, yeah. knowing the steps. Yeah. Do you have an incident or not an incident? That sounds horrible. A client who you have a start and a finish that just, that made a difference in you where you're like, I am in what I need to be doing and this is why. And it gave you that whole warm, fuzzy thing. Yeah, I would say I have a couple. Like, I don't think there's ever- I'm sure you have a lot. But yeah, I think the big ones at the in the beginning, it was always just people coming back to me. I was usually in the beginning, I was mostly working with people who are younger than me because I had a lot of kind of fear of my age. Like, oh, who am I at 25? I was 24 then. Who am I at 24 years old to think that I can help someone with this? Like someone older than me. Like you me. know what I like what makes you think yeah. you can help somebody like me who's 56? Exactly. Which is funny because now most of my clients are actually like 30 to mid 60s is like the range that most of them come to me with, which now I understand makes sense. Like that is usually what happens when you kind of tried to push for so long and nothing is clicking and you're like, what the hell is going on? Right. But at the time I was afraid of that. I just I was like, who am I to think I should work with someone older than me? I can't do that. And I would work with people who are like my age or younger than me. I'd find them on Facebook groups. And I had a lot of people coming to me being like kind of more in that quarter life crisis stage where it's like they're just out of college. They don't know what they want to do with their lives. Like the situation I was in and working with them and like getting that one girl was like, I've been trying to figure out where I want to live for years now. I've been sitting in my parents' house trying to figure out what step I want to take for where I want to live. I have the money. I have all the things. I just, I can't make the decision. I'm like paralyzed. And after 90 minutes, she had made the decision and now she lives there. Like a month later, she moved. <laughs> it, and like that, I think, got me because I didn't have the background until after the fact that she like moved. 
she like came back to me because I worked with her for free just for a testimonial. And she told me that she was like, yeah, like I had been struggling with that. I'd seen therapists about that. And then we worked together and she was like, this is it. Like, I feel really good about it. I'm scared, but I feel really good about it. That was like a huge one where I was like, huh, what I did help that much. Yeah, that's really cool. When you have somebody like me, what changed that for you where you could, where you said, yeah, I can actually add value and bring value to someone older than me. Yeah. Well, so eventually I started charging people to work with me. So I was like, okay, I know that I'll get them results. And slowly I would have people because like in order to pay money for coaching, like you have to be rather stable. You know what I mean? Like there is a level of stability that needs to be there if you're going to invest that money in yourself. And not everyone has that right out of college. And so eventually I realized that some of the people that were trickling into me were a little bit older. And it was kind of that evolution again. It was like, okay, they're more experienced in life than me. They are in a better corporate job than I was in. And they do want to paint. They're, they're like asking for me or to work with me. Okay, let's do this. Like, let's just see what happens. And I wasn't charging enough at the time to be really concerned about, you know, like not giving them their money's worth. I think that was a big thing for me. But it was that evolution of slowly kind of like realizing, huh, over time, more and more exper- experienced, life experienced people are coming to me. Maybe this is just what I'm good at. I might not know anything about starting a real estate business or producing movies for Pixar, like children's films, but I do know this stuff really well and it's working. And I think then eventually now I wouldn't say that I don't ever get imposter syndrome. Like you hear what some people do in your lives and you're like, you're a miraculous human being. This is awesome. Like, what can I do for you? Right. What is little old me going to be able to do for you? Exactly. And so eventually just kind of making, like realizing that I actually have things. They work. People need this. People are really being valued by what I'm doing. I'm actually hurting people at one point if I decide to hold myself back because to this point, I haven't had a bad result with a client. And I thought that was kind of a cool place to get to where it's like, okay, I truly believe that like people need this. And like one day I would love to bring that to schools bring that to companies, bring that to bigger groups. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. But I never would have evolution of what you're teaching. Exactly. Yeah, and the value you bring. And yeah, I want you to keep fighting off that imposter that you you can't do that because you are very valuable and we need the fresh perspective. And that's your talent. That's your thing. doesn't matter how old you are. It just doesn't. It means you have more time to do more things with it. Exactly. And I think now it's cool because, yeah, now it's cool because my age and my experience, like I know I have a very limited life experience compared to people and my life experience means something. It's valuable. It helps with what I do. But I also now have every client I've worked with and their life experience when it relates to this stuff to go off of. So that level of confidence is only growing. So I have other things to lean back on, other things to remember. And I have done the work the educational work, the certification, the networking, the outreach, all of it to learn from people who do this stuff better than I do. So I also have a community to go to now if anything ever did come up where I was like, I don't know how to handle this. And I think that is a really nice combination to have as a professional in anything to not only kind of be able to rely on yourself and your clients and what you've done so far, but always doing the work to know that you have people to tap in the instance that you're kind of like, I think I need a little bit more direction on this. I've tried what I know. It's not working. I don't want this person to just feel helpless. Who else can either they see, can we work with like all of it, which has been, again, an evolution, but it just adds to that confidence. It adds to that ability to grow. You are a very wise woman, Andy. I'm just saying. How are all the ways people can get you or find you or get to work with you? Do share. I will. So you can find me on either Instagram at Andy Colleen, just as it says, nothing else, or on TikTok at Andy.Colleen. Somehow, who knows how it happened, TikTok is the primary place where I usually show up. So between TikTok and Instagram, I also have a podcast. It's called Mindset Magic with Andy Colleen. It is definitely not as established, but it's been a fun project for me lately. And when it comes to working with me, you can send me a DM on any of those. 
when you get to any of my social medias, you can book a call with me so that we can discuss if working together would be a good fit. If I can actually help provide you the results that you're looking for. I have one-on-one coaching and I have group coaching. So there's options, there are things, and I always put out a lot of free content. So there's always that too. Oh my gosh. And if you have one mantra or one thing that keeps you going every day at this moment, right? They can change. But what do you have right now? I might have to give you two, but the one that comes to mind first is that everything is a skill. Because if you think of everything as a skill, it means that everything can be built. So your confidence is a skill. Your self-worth is a skill. Building a business is a skill. Like learning how to eat intuitively, it's a skill. And if you fail like once, it's not actually failing. It's that trial and error. It's that, okay, I just learned something from this. And being able to look at kind of especially the more intangible things like trusting myself as a skill has been so vital because I never feel like it's just not meant to be. I'm just meant, I'm stuck here. It's not up to chance in the world. So I'd say that the the mantra of it's a skill is huge to me. The second one that I just, I can't go without telling or like saying is just trust yourself. Like the at the end of the day, you're the only person. You can't control everything else in the world. And you have gotten yourself this far. You might not be in the perfect position right now, but you are still like living. You're still breathing. You are still like getting up and like just you're doing like days. You're, you're here. And I think remembering that you've gotten here, you can trust yourself to make that next step. And even if you don't have fully trust yourself, you can trust yourself enough to figure things out because that's what you've done so far. And so I'd say that's kind of the second one. Ugh. You are wise beyond your years. I'm just saying. And I, I'm going to work with you. We're going to talk about that. And I'm sure lots of people are going to work from you with you from hearing this podcast. And go check out our podcast, people. Why not? There's plenty of time to listen to podcasts while you're exercising and intuitively eating and working on your skill sets. They're just, yeah. I'm just saying, driving, that's my thing. I get to listen to podcasts while I'm driving or walking. It's all good. Andy, thank you so much for your time today. Again, fabulous. You said some great things, connected a bunch of dots, things I didn't even know. I love learning. I love curiosity is huge, finding things out. So thank you for bringing that to us. Thank you for having me. This was so pleasant. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's supposed to be ple- it's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be scary. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. And now we're friends forever. So you are part of Second Wind, the tribe, so to speak. I hate that, but I can't think of another word. But that's what we're using for now. So everyone, until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.